want to read out of Ezekiel chapter 47. Just a few scriptures here on tonight. Familiar. Bible said, then he brought me back to the door of the temple. Sometimes God's just got to bring us back. Brought me back to the door of the temple. There was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. Well, the front of the temple faced east and the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple in the south of the altar. And he brought me out by the way of the north gate. He led me around on the outside of the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out on the right side. And when the man went out to the east with a line in his hand, he measured a thousand cubits. And he brought me through the waters. And the waters came to my knee ankles. Again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters and the waters came to my knees. And again, he measured a thousand and he brought me through the water and the water came up to my waist. Again, he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not cross for the water was so deep, water which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. Hallelujah. I know you've heard this preached many times, but I'm going to just share with you some simple truths that the Lord has put on my heart because I believe that God wants us to dig until we hit the river. He wants us to dig until we hit the river. He wants there to be these wells that we have dug and redug until a river begins to flow. Ezekiel's name means one whom God sustains. He takes him from Jerusalem to Nebuchadnezzar. In Jerusalem, he had ministered as a priest during the fifth year of his captivity. He was called to be a prophet. He was used in that office for 22 years. His book is one of the prophetic books that we know in the Bible in fact, that it, it is not easy to understand because there is so many analogies, metaphors, and imageries that even those who studied the, the book would say that it is forbidden for the young men to study the book of Ezekiel until they turn 30 years of age because it was complicated in its in all of its imageries and its metaphors and its analogies. And so they felt that there had to be, uh, had to have some meat. They had to have some understanding before they would dive into this book. But I don't want to get into the depths of all of that tonight. I just want to look at this passage that is woven into this text because you see, many people, they, they, they have all kinds of, when you study this, the theologians, they have different 
ideas. Some of them think that this river was the power of evangelism that started at Jerusalem and it reached further and further and went from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and then the uttermost parts of the earth. Some believe that it foretold of the success of the early church that it would begin as a mustard seed and it, it would begin to flourish out of that small beginning and grow into a large tree that would accomplish in Acts 2 and 47, God added to the church daily. Some believe that it represented the depth of God's word where that it, some would pass through shallow water as a, as a lamb could wade through it and other places that it would get so deep that an elephant could swim in it. They believe that, it, that many of them would have different concepts and different ideas, but regardless of what they, the theories are that, that, that you may even accept, what the reality is is it all speaks to me of growth and progression. It is going to deeper stages, deeper levels, if you will, in the seeing the water going from ankle deep to, to knee deep to waist deep to waters that cannot be crossed over. It speaks to us of the, the, the depths of faith that we can have. Amen. That, that the Mark, Mark 4 and 40 says that they had no faith. Matthew 6 and 30 said they had little faith. Matthew 17 and 20 said they had mustard seed faith. Romans 12 and 3 said they had a measure of faith. Matthew 8 and 10 said they had great faith. And so there is this faith level that begins to grow. There is levels of the anointing that we see in 2 Samuel that the tribe of Judah was the only one that had this anointing. We see that 2 Samuel chapter 5, all of Israel have this anointing. In 2 Kings 2 and 9, he, he said Elisha asked for a double portion of this anointing. We know that Jesus was anointed above all. Amen. That he had the fullness of the Godhead. He had the fullness of the measure. Praise God. And so God is a God of progression. And we say day and night, but you see God says evening and morning were the first day. Amen. You see, when God is God's presence, when we are in God's presence, everything changes. When we're in his presence, amen, we begin to feel better. Whenever you're in the presence of God, you never leave the presence of God feeling worse. You always leave feeling better. Amen. Whenever you're in the presence of God, in his presence, there's the, there is half of the joy. There's three quarters of the joy. No, you, when you're in his presence, you get the fullness of the joy praise God so that that's all right if we laugh it's all right you don't have to whenever you got saved you didn't have to look like a Missouri mule eating briars to be a good Christian you don't have to look like you swallowed a deal pickle hole come on somebody amen but there ought to be joy because when we're in his presence there's fullness we have the full measure of joy that we can receive into our life and so God is calling us to a deeper experience those that that are ankle deep right those who are just starting out in this thing God is calling them to go into the knee deep those that are knee deep he's calling into a waist deep 
Those who are waist deep, he's calling us into water that cannot be passed over. He's wanting us to get into something because, you see, it's easy for us to change directions when we're only in ankle deep water. It's easy for us to change direction when we're knee deep. When you get in waist deep, it's a little different. Huh? You ever been in the ocean? <laughs> you, ever, you don't even have to be in the ocean. Be in a river and the current is drawing you and get in waist deep and see how quickly you move. Huh? You want to make sure you continue the same direction. But whenever you get into water that overpasses you, when you cannot touch the bottom, you're at the mercy of the river. Amen. And I want to tell you tonight that that's where God is wanting us to be. He's wanting us to quit all of this humanism. He's wanting us to quit all of these parades of the flesh and depending upon ourselves and a spirit of humanism. And he's wanting us to get into a water where that we has a river that is flowing that says, God, I don't have any choice but to trust you. And I just put everything into this river. I trust you with my life. I trust you with my finances. I trust you with my family. I trust you with my health. I trust you so much. I'm not going to stay out here in this mud puddle and play in the mud any longer. I'm going to jump into the river and I'm going to say wherever the river takes me, that's where I want to be. Amen. See, God's calling us to deeper. Now, I want to just share with you three things tonight and then we'll, we'll go. Is that all right? Okay, I'll just share two then. Let me give you three things tonight. (laughs) Number one about the river. Number one, it's a heavenly source. This river was a heavenly source. It does not say that there was any tributary. There was no other river coming into this river that caused it to flow. But it was a river that was spiritual. It was heavenly. It started, where did it start? It didn't start, amen, at at an artesian well. It didn't start at the mouth of another holler somewhere. Huh? For us country folk. It started at the right side of the altar, the south side of the altar. Amen. It came from a place of prayer. It came from a place of intercession. It came from a place where that we humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. Amen. And it was a heavenly river that began to flow. You see, there's a lot of people that have tried to manipulate this thing. There's a lot of people that have tried to do it. Amen. And we've heard of all of that foolishness and all of the shenanigans that has gone on in the house of God but I want to tell you all the shenanigans does not negate the fact that there is a real river that there is a Holy Ghost river that there is a heavenly source that when we come into his presence that we can everything that it touches it will heal everything that it touches it will bring hope praise God it will bring joy it will bring the anointing this river that Ezekiel saw had a heavenly source it was not a man it didn't say that it ran out of the mouth of the preacher it didn't say that it ran it came from some other no it came from the altar hallelujah 
it remains minds me of salvation because there is no other source of salvation except Jesus Christ amen it talks to me about how shall we be escaped if we neglect such a great salvation it reminds me that he said I am the way the truth and the life no man comes to the father except by me it is that true river it is a heavenly source that has come to save us and deliver us from our sins salvation is a heavenly source for by grace we are saved it is the gift of God (laughs) amen salvation is not a way is, is God's way of washing away our sins Titus 2 and 3 talks about washing of regeneration amen Ezekiel in Exodus chapter 17 the children of Israel had left Egypt where they crossed into the desert and their mouths were parched they had dry lips they their all of their skin was probably cracking and yet they was looking and expecting to find water you remember over there in Rephium but they did not find none there and God told Moses to strike the rock and living water would come flowing out of the rock praise God it tells us it's a type of the working of Christ because in Corinthians he tells us that 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 rock followed them which was Christ hallelujah and so today we know that we're on a firm foundation in a relationship with Christ who brings us to a heavenly source of water that will sustain us in the desert it will bring hope to us even whenever it it seems like what we thought was going to work doesn't work he will still be the rock in the weary land he will still be our hope amen and that that's why he called himself the living water amen no wonder Jesus told Nicodemus you must be born again of the water and of the spirit amen where can I get this water? The Bible said it flowed past the altar. It flowed past the altar. I know I've pushed on this every once in a while on Sunday morning, but let me just push on it here tonight with all the saints. Amen. The altar is not a bad place. The altar isn't somewhere you have to wait until you're so desperate there's no alternative. The altar is where the river is flowing. That's where it begins in our life. And whenever the river is begins to flow at the altar. So if we're dry, come to the altar. If we're parched, come to the altar. If we need a drink, come to the altar. Huh? Where do we get this idea that we're supposed to, once we get saved, we're supposed to stay away from the altar? Amen. I know, you know, I'm reminiscing a little bit, but I remember growing up in the church, folk didn't wait for the altar call necessarily. When the Spirit of God got to move and they had come to the altar, because that's where the water was. That's where the source was. That's where the strength was. Amen. And we have to we have to develop a culture again in the church where that this doesn't say when you're saved you stay away until you backslide. 
that you stay away until you can't do anything else. And then you know, no, no, we ought to be coming to the altar. And I know, amen, that it seems like this. I, I'm just a pastor in a little bit. That all right. It just seems like this, that once we, we, whenever we first got saved, we had come to the altar all the time. We didn't have a problem coming to the altar. We knew we needed more. Amen. But then as we got a little maturity and we got a little age on us spiritually and we got us a little title. Amen. And then we can't go because somebody might think I'm sinning. Well, let me tell you something. You stay in that dry place and begin to just allow the opinions of people to control you and you will start sinning. You will find yourself in a place of drought and find yourself in no. It doesn't matter. We've got to get free from the expectations of people. We've got to get free from the opinions of men because you see that'll bind. I want to get to the altar. I want to be in the place where the water flows freely. Glory to God. One thing I found out, the coolest place and the best water is where the water source begins. Whenever you're going out, you know, I'm just, you know, y'all, all y'all know I'm just country and I like to hunt and, and I'm climbing those mountains and, and this big old fat thing run up them mountains, go back down the other side and run around. I got to get me some water every once in a while. Whenever I, my water bottle runs dry, I begin to look for a hollow where some water is flowing. Glory to God. And I find where the source is. I don't go down to the bottom. I go to the, where the top at the, the mouth of that hollow and I find the water and I get down on my knees and I get my hands together and I get me that water because I know it's the purest there. I know it's the coolest there. I know that's the best place. I don't need a secondhand gospel. Thank God for the faith and the testimonies of other people. But we've got to crawl up under the altar again and begin to drink fresh living water for ourselves and say, God, this is where I need to be. I need to be in your presence. I need to be where the river of God is flowing fresh in my life. Amen. Amen. See, if it flow past the altar, it's the altar that can make an exchange for our lives. You ever been to a foreign country and you have to exchange money? The altar is the exchange place. We exchange sin for salvation. We exchange defeat for victory. We exchange death for life. We exchange hell for heaven. It's the exchange place. It's a place where we used to sing the song, I traded my sorrow. I traded my pain. I laid it all down for the joy of the... Where did you lay it down at? Where did you exchange it at? It was exchanged at the altar. It was exchanged at that place of his presence where we laid it all down and we were made whole by the power of his presence. Amen. And so we have to get back to getting to the altar. Amen. We got to get back to getting to the altar. Second, The source of water would come ankle deep to knee deep. Knees represents staying before God. It speaks to me of humbling yourself. It speaks to me of being submission of not my will, 
but your will be done. That I humble myself, I bow myself, I submit myself unto God. Not this boaster of attitude. Huh? Not a proud, arrogant spirit. I mean, no, we can walk with the Lord for some time and we get pride in our hearts. God can use us in many ways and we begin to get prideful and we begin to get arrogant and we think it's all about us. We're all of that in a bag of chips. Huh? But God is a holy God. And there is a standard called holiness. Amen. Now I know that became a cuss word in the church because, again, of all of the craziness that went on. But holiness is, is a way of saying we're keeping the conduit clean so the water can flow through us. It's not about the outward, and we don't have to go into all of that tonight. It's not about the outward. You understand how I feel about that. It's more than buttons and zippers and long hair. Oh, that's a mess, right? But it's about keeping the inside clean so that the river of God can flow through us. That the presence of God can get to where he needs to go. Amen? And so I'm glad the church has learned that holiness is more than hard. It isn't, holiness isn't hardness. Amen. Two of you remember. Amen. I remember growing up in the church, holiness, where everything would send you to hell. Amen. Amen. I mean, they'd preach you into hell and leave you there. And there wasn't no way out according to them. Amen. You had a bad thought, you're going to hell. Don't even stop at jail, just go to hell. Huh? No grace, no mercy, just go to hell. But I'm glad that we learned that holiness isn't hardness. That holiness is purity before the Lord. That a right heart and a right spirit, praise God, where that he can use us for his glory and his honor. Where that we have the privilege, huh? We have the privilege of being able to be used of a, 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 a God that, that could have done anything without us but chose to do everything through us. Amen. And because of that, he's looking for people today that will submit themselves and say, God, we're willing to you, that you cleanse us, that you purify us, that you make us whole so that we may be able to be used as conduit to get the good news, get the river to where it needs to go. Amen. And the next thing that I noticed is, is it was the river was a heated source. Verse 1 said the waters issued eastward. Eastward would be, it, it set east, so eastward would be toward the morning sun. <laughs> Amen. And so when the water began to flow out eastward, that morning sun would begin to warm the waters. Glory to God. There ain't nothing worse than jumping in cold water. 
Amen. It reminded me, I don't know what that speaks to you about, but it reminded me of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is a fire. Amen. The spirit is burning. In Acts, he told us that it was cloven tongues of fire. Amen. That it sat upon all of them. And so it is a warming. It is a fire that is burning on the inside of us. The thing that plagues the church today is that we don't further our experience with God. Amen. The Lutherans are still where they were 400 years ago. The Methodists, most of them are in the same place Wesley was 200 years ago. They remain in their first revelation. They remain at the first well that was dug. Huh? And I'm not naming names of, of organizations or denominations that say we've got it together. I'm telling you that we can get stuck in our revelation when God is wanting us to expand. He is wanting us to experience more. He's wanting us to go further in our experience. So if we have been saved, then we ought to experience the Holy Spirit. Amen. He says to us that it, when we are saved, he has given us to put a desire in our heart that we would want more, that we would get closer to him, that we would know him in a better way. Amen. And I'm telling you tonight that we've got to get into this place where that we are not satisfied with complacency, that we're not satisfied with just experiencing God in a way that we experienced him 10, 15, or two days ago. But there must be something that deep cries unto deep that there is a hunger on the inside of your spirit man for the deep things of God that says there is more for me to know there is more for me to comprehend there is more of him than I have ever experienced and I don't want to wait to heaven to get it but I want to experience him here and I want to experience him now amen too many folks have got saved and satisfied. They're like that little boy that fell out of the bed and they asked him, what, what, what happened? He said, I just stayed too close to where I got in. Amen. And too many of us just stayed too close to where we got in. We're happy to get to heaven. <laughs> huh? But what's wrong with getting a little heaven in you? Glory to God. Letting heaven get inside of us. We got saved and satisfied. If you're saved, then we need to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Because he said, if you hunger and you thirst, you will be filled. Amen. What is the requirement to get more of God? You've got to be thirsty. Amen. You can be empty and not be thirsty. But God gave us, the people of God, a desire. He gave us a thirst. He gave us a hunger. He gave us an appetite for himself. And so we've got to be hungry enough that we say, God, whatever it takes. You remember when we used to say that? Whatever it takes, God, I want more of you. Whatever it takes, I don't want to stay here. I told you about the little boy. Let me tell you about the little girl. The little girl said, Mommy, could you bring me some water? She thought it was a way for her to stay up a little longer. She said, go to bed and forget about the water. 
She hollered a little later. She said, Mama, would you bring me some water? She said, I told you, go to bed and forget about the water. She waited a few minutes and she hollered again and said, Mama, would you bring me some? She said, if you ask me one more time for that water, I'm going to come in there and whip you. The little girl responded and said, when you come to whip me, could you bring me some water? Sometimes in our life, we may have to go through a whipping, huh? We may have to go through some struggle, but there's got to be something on the inside of you that you get so thirsty for the things of God and the presence of God that you say it doesn't matter about all of the external. It doesn't matter about the temporal. I need more of his presence. I need more of his power. I need more of his Holy Spirit. And let me just speak to us that have received the baptism. It isn't the final it isn't the upper echelon that says oh it's all I need there is more of him there is the deep presence of God there are the things of God that we have yet to experience it's like the facet of his goodness that when we look at it one way we see him as savior but we look at him again and he's holy ghost baptizer we look at him again and he's healer we look at him again and he's deliverer because you cannot exhaust the living God Amen. We've got to have hunger. We have to be thirsty. And God is calling for us to go deeper. If we don't go deeper, we'll meet the same fate as Israel did. Amen. You would not go up, he told him in Deuteronomy 1 and 26. And they were cursed and wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. I'm almost done. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 16. Israel slideth back as a backsliding heifer. Hosea 4 and 16. Two meanings to this. Number one, it refuses to go into the barn and it keeps backing up. But it also means this. It means that the heifer would lock her hooves into the ground and refuse to move forward. It didn't matter if you talked to her. It didn't matter if you sang to her. It didn't matter if you kicked her or you beat her. You could try to pull her, you could try to push her, but she dug her heels into the ground, her hooves into the ground, and she would not be moved. You don't have to go back to drinking to backslide. You don't have to go back to the crack house to backslide. You can lock your hooves and say, I'm comfortable right where I am, and you will find yourself in a stalemate and in a backsliding condition. How can we say that? Because God is a God that's moving. Amen? And so if I am staying where I am and saying I I am saved, I'm sanctified, I'm filled with heaven's Holy Ghost and I'm a member of his church. Huh? And I put my hooves in the ground and I say, this is good enough for me. But while I'm standing here in this promise, this revelation, God's on the move. And so I'm getting further and further away from where he is. 
And so if I am going to continue in this revelation, then I must continue to move forward. I must be in progression. I must be moving forward all of the time and not be satisfied in status quo. Because you see, there is a place that God wants to reach us to reach in him. Amen. We think it means that that he he tells us in in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 37. He says this, how often would I have gathered you, my children, together, even as a hen gathered her chicks under her wing, and yet you would not. Amen. We think that it means that Jesus would take them under his wing but it's much deeper than that. It's more than just security. It literally reads in the original trans- or translation, I wanted you to be where I am. How often I wanted to get you, gather you up, and for you to be where I am. You can get deeper. You can get closer to God. But in order for you to get deeper and get closer to God, there has to be a hunger on the inside of you that says, I'm thirsty for more. I'm hungry for more. Amen. I want to know him more. I want to be where he is. I want to go deeper in the river. I want to to be in a place that is unpassable in his mercy and in his grace. I wonder, is there hunger still in us tonight? Is there a desire inside of us after however long we have been saved to say, God, I want more of you. I'm not satisfied where I am. But we've got to get out into the deep. Amen. He told his disciples, cast launch out into the deep. And I'm not going to preach that tonight because I've got a whole series I'm working on on nevertheless. That word is powerful. But no one has ever broke their neck diving into deep water. The only people that break their neck is when you dive into shallow water. Amen. But if we'll dive into the deep, there is something that we have never experienced before. And I don't know about you, and I don't want to try to sound super spiritual, but it is my heart's desire. I want to see something I've never seen. I want to know God in a level of understanding him and knowing him that I've never known. I want to be where he is. Amen. And I just believe that's possible. Call me crazy. But I just believe it's possible that we can be where he is. Amen. But if we're going to do it, then we've got to dive into the deep water. And say, I'm not satisfied where I have been or where I am. But there's a hunger in me that says, more of you. More of you. 
I've had it all, but what I need is more of you. Empty and bare, Lord, hear my prayer for more of you. Is there a hunger in you tonight for more? I mean, are you really thirsty? Are we really thirsty for more? Do we desire the things of the Spirit? Do we desire the deep things of God? Are we satisfied with this mud puddle? Amen. Because what we have tonight, and I'm not being ugly, I'm saying to me, I say we. We have as much of God as we want. Because there is no limiting God, the limit is in us. And whenever we get hungry, there's more. There's more, there's more. So God put a hunger in us tonight. Put a thirst in us tonight. That we'd hunger for the more. God, somehow I believe that it isn't in the crowds, but it's in the small gatherings such as we are tonight that thirst and hunger can be developed that will bring you into an atmosphere where that few are hungry, but many will experience your power. I know that we're not alone tonight. But there's hundreds of thousands around this nation that are crying out to you. Because we know that we're in a desperate place and we need you. Our families need you. We need you personally. Our cities need you. Our governments need you. God, we are a needy people and we need more and more of you. So, Father, I pray tonight, let us come boldly before your altar. Let us come humbled before your altar. Let us come with humility and brokenness before your altar. And God, let the river of God flow through us that it can get to a hurting and a dying world. God, we love you. Yeah. 